Welcome back to On the Mic with Mike Peters. My guest this week is Josh Alba, a comedian from Brooklyn. Josh did his first open mic in 2011, and then he hooked up with Brooklyn Underground Comedy. He took some time off, but got back into it in 2021, and is now running the Pine Box Rock Shop Show. He also hosts the Monday Nitro podcast, where he combined wrestling and comedy. He's doing commentary for the Shadow Wrestling Alliance in Jersey on Sunday, May 28th, so you can hear him then too. Or you can listen to this episode. Perhaps both. Please like, share, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Follow Homebrewed Comedy on Facebook or go to homebrewcomedy.com to see all of my dates. Thanks again. I'll talk to you guys next week. Take care. Wait outside your bedroom. I, I hope they let me in. Thanks so much, man, for doing this. I appreciate it. Yeah, dude. Thank you for having me. This is pretty cool. What did I pull you away from? Like, what were you? Did you have anything pressing going on today? Today, not really. Today is my. Today is actually my chill day. Finally, <laughs> so I'm really not doing much. Uh, I'm just waiting for Zelda to come out this Friday. And yeah, that's what, what is doing. it? 1986. <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> dude, I love Zelda so much. The new game coming out Friday. I can't wait. I'm gonna be doing that for like a couple of days. So that's my plan. Okay, was <laughs> that like the first role playing game? Like, like Final Fantasy? Was that the precursor to Final Fantasy? Because when I was a kid, I didn't understand Zelda at all. Oh no, it's a whole different beast of its own. I mean, it's from it's from Nintendo, so yeah. Oh it's no, a I know that. Separate. You mean like as far as genre? Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, I don't, I don't um, mean like it's a continuation, but or the you know real precursor. But is it a role playing game or what? Am I, I'm not really. The words. So I would say not really. So, uh, RPG. Is that what Thank you. you. Mean? Thank you. Yeah. 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 Uh, RPGs a little more, uh, especially like in the late nineties, got more a little more detailed. Like Final Fantasy was one of them. Zelda was never really like that. It was more like story based, story driven. I mean, there was some kind of things that you could do, like as far as weapons and upgrades, maybe, and that's in that sort of sense. But for the most part, it was never really like that. I'm forty, so like I get the <laughs> games, but like. Yeah. <laughs> I always thought like, okay, you pick Super Mario Brothers or you pick Zelda. And Mm -hmm. maybe that's completely like maybe that was like the Friends or Seinfeld of the late 80s. But like, Mm -hmm. that's where I thought it was. And maybe I'm too dumb to understand Zelda. Mm -hmm. But at nine years old, I'm like, fuck that. Give me Contra. Yeah. (laughs) Well, my first game was uh, Sonic the Hedgehog 2. That was when we first got a video game console in my house. Uh, Sega Genesis. It was great. But then, like, when I got introduced to Nintendo, like, a year later, that's when I started watching. Like, I, saw, I actually saw the Zelda games on Nintendo 64 first before I saw the older ones. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I was like, oh, Zelda 64, that's cool. And then we got a Super Nintendo after. And that's when they started all the other games that came on in that. And that's when they started getting into it more. How old but ever since Zelda's 34 in August. <laughs> okay. That makes sense. Okay. Yeah. I'm like a little late 90s baby. So. You got a 64 before Super Nintendo? Mm-mm. My cousin did. I just watched him play it. Oh, okay. I, gotcha. I would want to go come over his house just to watch him play it. I, I couldn't thought, touch it. But. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> probably for good reason. Yeah. But like, I thought the progression was Super Nintendo, then 64. Yeah, so, no, it is. Okay, okay. Just checking. Yeah, I, my progression's backwards based off what we could afford back then. <laughs> so, well, right now, worked. in my house, I have a Super Nintendo and a PlayStation 2, and I bought the PS2 maybe mm-hmm. five years ago 
Yeah, that, that, like, that's just that's how you do it. To be honest yeah. with you, you you could take more time playing games because they're like you know they're been out, they're not going anywhere, and then they're way cheaper now. Yep. You know, so then you're just good. You just you have a good time. PS2 was a very fun console too. Yeah, my college roommate blew his refund check on it, and he spent <laughs> like four hundred dollars. And I'm like the entire time, I'm like, dude, <laughs> nice. I know, I know you don't have any money. Like maybe send that home. Maybe your mom wants some of her money back. But yeah, no, he got the console and we got, we got, we got, uh, Tony Hawk, yep, Tony Hawk 3, <laughs> you got Tony nice. Hawk 3 and GTA 3. And those are solid. Yeah. Aren't they like top 10 games overall? At 100%. Least for yeah. So those are the only games. Oh, I guess I have a couple more, but those are the only games I play for PS2. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I don't play very often, maybe, you know, once, twice a year anymore, but like, I had to have those games and I sat there. I mean, I lost days playing them again because mm-hmm. I think they hold up pretty well, but maybe they don't. Oh, yeah. but that's all I know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I recommend PS2. If you could find it online, uh, Simpsons hit and run. Really? Uh, yeah. It's like a Grand Theft Auto, but Simpsons. It's great. <laughs> it's really good. I yeah, think I fun. listened to a Simpsons podcast and I think that's the game they were talking about, but mm-hmm. I didn't know if it was on PS2 or anything. I figured it was like an yep. app game. Yep. Send you a link later. I'll find it for you. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Highly recommend. Yeah. Are you a Simpsons fan? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I grew up to it. That was our family cartoon to sit together and watch Sundays on five, Channel 5. The Simpsons, I fall asleep to it just about every night. And yeah. <laughs> uh, thank thank God my girlfriend loves The Simpsons. Like, she liked it, and then I introduced it, and she loves it. So she'll pick the episode. This is how sick I am. She'll pick mm-hmm. the episode, and then I'll guess what the title is. And more times than <laughs> not, I'll get it right. And wow. Well, I mean, I was watching it during season one, like on the air, like live. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, it, I kind of grew up with it. But do you remember the first episode of Simpsons you saw? Uh, First episode? No, Uh, it had to be way early. You know, it's hard to say. I can't really remember. I know it was one of like the first few seasons. Right. I wouldn't say a- after season four, maybe season three. Because it was that old, but I do I can't remember. The earliest one I can remember after that was maybe the one when they were in New York and Homer had his uh, car booted. So, <laughs> Homer versus New York great. City. Yeah, and also like the fact that it's in New York, and I was like, "Oh, that's where I'm at." I'm thinking they live here back then, you know. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no that that was one. That's probably maybe one of the earliest ones I can remember. But yeah, dude, it's, it's funny because I can't remember The Simpsons like that. I can't remember the title. But, like, I will have, like, these, like, deja vu in a way. Like, once I start watching an episode, I already know the the script. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just, it just comes out. And I'm like, yeah, I know it. I just could, like, repeat it verbatim uh, what's going on right now. And also, like, that was a show where, like, me, my mom, my sisters, my brother, we were, every Sunday night would like sit together and actually, which is a weird uh, family show to watch together. Yeah. Um, I mean, it was a great, it was a great cartoon. And it was funny. Cause like, I love watching the Simpsons now as an adult, because I can appreciate the jokes more, especially cause I'm like, Oh, it's so good. So good. So funny. Like I didn't get any of the jokes when I was a kid. I mean, it was just a, a fun cartoon. It was funny. They're so like, smart. Yeah. So, it was and, so... and they hold up so well, like mm-hmm. they're, well, I mean, they, you know, quote unquote, predict the future. But yeah. there seems to be kind of like a Seinfeld story, but it seems to apply to everything. There's a Simpsons line for everything. Mm-hmm. And like I follow Simpsons memes on Facebook and it's truly yeah. the best. I got part like of I Facebook. follow 
I follow like five Simpsons accounts on Instagram, even like a Simpsons wrestling one. Yeah. So like whatever's going on in the wrestling scene, like they just meme it with the Sim- with like a classic Simpsons scene. It was just great. <laughs> I gotta, I gotta show you that one too. But I don't think you're you're not a wrestling fan, well, are you? Kind of. Yeah. I am a huge '80s and early '90s wrestling fan. Like I am like a emotionally stunted. I mean, I just mm-hmm. like stopped growing. My brain stopped in like 1994, 95. So like anything mm-hmm. from like. 86 to 95 i love so yeah i'll go back like i have the network and i'll go back every once in a while and i'm like all right well let me watch SummerSlam 92 because mm-hmm. i remember the matches there and i can remember putting them you know the vhs in the vcr and yeah. spending a weekend watching bret hart and davy boy smith so nice. i love that stuff my girlfriend is a big wrestling fan for today so mm we'll watch the stuff together and she'll kind of, I'm learning mm-hmm. and it is good, <laughs> but I'm learning what's going on today. So, and she's learning every once in a while when we watch something from the old stuff, she'll know. She's like, Oh, that's hacksaw Jim Duggan. I'm like, good job. Yeah. So, Yay. <laughs> I was like, you, you get back it. to me when you know, Ricky, the dragon steamboat and I'll be really yeah. impressed, but no. So I, a, I know a little bit about it. Were you a big Bret Hart guy? I was. Yeah. He's my favorite. Big Bret Hart guy. That's cool. Bret Hart was was a new generation. That's what they called it back then. Oh, really? Uh, The new, the new, yeah. That was like the the era, uh, the new generation, right before. uh, You know, it was like it was showcasing all the smaller guys, like Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels, yep, all those guys back then. Because you know, in the eighties, everybody was huge for no reason. You know, for the most part. Um, Yeah, and if you go back, like Bret Hart was like thick. Mm -hmm. You know, he was like right in the beginning. Yeah, he's very huge. Like eighty seven, eighty eight, something like that. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. But no, I, I always liked him because he was smooth and there's something like just, I don't know. It was like, he was dancing. Same with Shawn Michaels and those guys, Rick Martel. I was like Tito Santana, like those middleweight guys. I really yeah. enjoyed watching them. You know, I didn't need them to be super fast, but just quick. And mm-hmm. I enjoyed them and like the oddballs, like Bam Bam Bigelow and not great, but I loved King Kong Bundy just because yeah, definitely. Somebody not had to. You know? like, <laughs> so, but the odd ones I really enjoyed, and yeah, always like the Brooklyn Brawler and guys oh. like that, the obscure ones. Yeah, those are the classics. Yeah. So you're a big mm-hmm. wrestling fan, obviously. You got the podcast and everything, right? Yeah, dude. I, I yeah, I uh, started a podcast Monday Nitro Party. Uh, it was fun. We wanted to do a podcast that is not serious. There's a lot of wrestling podcasts out there that are way too serious. How many times do you want to talk about Hulk Hogan go to WCW? Like, who cares? Right. Yeah, we were like, fuck, Mary kill, NWO, go. Like, we're like that. <laughs> Just as ridiculous, but as fun as we can. Because, like, wrestling's fun, and it should be fun for everyone. And we try to make it also a little as relatable as we can to everyday things. But, yeah, I do that. And I am a fan. I'm more, I grew up as a kid watching it. You know, I would not say I would loved it forever because there was a good time where it was really bad. I mean, I'm pretty sure everyone knew it was like, that's that's when it started to suck. Or the dumbest thing I heard was that's when it stopped being real. I mean, no, (laughs) (laughs) that is not how that works. Um, But yeah, it was like a time where I would just like have it. I would have it on as like background noise. Yeah. And I'm like, I hate it. It's terrible, but I still have to have it on for some reason. And then uh, I started kicking up, especially in like the last few years, you know, we got a lot. Of, uh, it's growing a lot, to be honest. A lot of shows going on, a lot of uh, independent shows going on, too. Getting very popular. To be honest, it's a good time to be a wrestler because 
back then you wouldn't make so much money if you weren't working for one of the big companies. Now there's some guys making more money than if they were working for the big company, you know, going around travel. My girlfriend is huge Sami Zayn fan. And (laughs) I saw some meme or something came up. Maybe it was a a story on Facebook, but I feel like you're talking about, I feel old, you know, saying, (laughs) Oh, I saw this on Facebook. I feel like my mom and dad, Uh, I saw it on the (laughs) Facebook news, but yeah, it was like, he took a pay cut going to, WWE, like yeah. he, he was making more in the independent circuit than, mm-hmm. you know, but he's like, oh, yeah, well, it, you know, it's an investment. Bet on mm-hmm. myself and I'll make more. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if that meme was true. I did see that meme. I don't know if it was like 100% accurate, but I remember around that time when he was back in NXT, those guys weren't making much money. They were taking pay cuts. And it is true. I mean, I've done that in real life. I took a pay cut to go to my job, whatever, but in the long <laughs> run, worked out. But yeah, it, it I remember back then, like, you know, I mean, still today, some of these guys that it's a developmental territory, you know, you don't know if those guys are going to be good on the big stage or not. So, I mean, they do pay very poorly when you start in that level. But yeah, fast forward him now, you know, big star. Yeah. So much fun to watch, too. Yeah. She and I are both punk rock fans. So, like, that's nice. how she really got into him. Mm-hmm. And she's like, yeah, he comes out to a ska uh, <laughs> yeah. song. It's like, all right, like, oh, the Bouncing Souls or whatever. Like, so that was easy attraction for her. Mm-hmm. I thought it was weird. Like I, when I was working, I, I used to be a journalist and I was in Maryland and I'm, you know, I pretended to be an adult at least, but I'm working with other adults and two of them start talking about wrestling. And one of them's probably 21, 22 and mm-hmm. the other probably my age. So it's probably about 29, 30 at the time. And they're talking about wrestling openly. And I was, thought that was weird, but <laughs> I started doing comedy and I'm like the weird one. I mean, I guess I'm catching up, but like I was the weird one for a long time because I didn't know who the fuck anybody was. You mm-hmm. know, like, were you surprised at all that? I mean, I'm assuming and you're seeing too, who've done New York. There's a bunch of comedians who are also wrestling fans. Does that surprise 100%. you at all? No, okay, not at all. There's so many. And it's funny because there was a time. I mean, when I started, there was a time where nobody really talked about wrestling in public because it was not good. Yeah. As far as the WWE goes. And it's funny because there are a lot of comedians that are wrestling fans because they're such the same art form in a weird way, especially from what I've noticed, like as far as being a wrestler, you know, it's all like getting booked, all that stuff, the drama. All that stuff, it's the same thing as a, being a comedian. It's crazy. I met, I got to meet a few wrestlers. I have a couple of friend, wrestler friends. It's insane how much like those two art forms are so similar that's how you could tell, like, of course, there's going to be comedians that are big wrestling fans. Of course, there's going to be wrestlers that are big comedy fans. You know, a lot of people don't know how many, how much of the, especially those two art forms are so much of the same. <laughs> you know, it's wild. I have friends up here who, you know, they have stage personas, you know, and I'm, we mm-hmm. all do to an extent. But they got <clears throat> stage personas where they are just this fucking prick on stage. Mm-hmm but couldn't be nicer off stage. And I'm guessing most wrestlers are like that. Like you have a heel, like he's probably not a complete dick when he's off yeah. the mat and off the mic. Oh yeah, of course. I mean, with me, like, I mean, I try, I kind of took advice. Like those thing in rock said a long time ago, he's like, take your true self and like, turn it up a thousand. And you like, you try your best to like act that way on stage and like, you're still you, but like way up there in a way. And it kind of works with some of the, with a lot of the material that you write and stuff. So I'd say, you know, that's a good 
analogy. Also, uh, yeah, like you were saying, I know people that have literally put, uh, has stabbed other people in the forehead, and you think they would be angry and mean, and they're like the sweetest guys in the world. Yeah. <laughs> like, they're so nice. Like, they're literally bleeding all over themselves. Because I, I like to also go to a lot of death matches, too. Oh, man. I couldn't take it. So like the, yeah. Uh, it's not for everyone. You know, it is. It gets there. It's, you know, it's at first uh, you could get used to it, which is weird. And yeah, I know a lot of deathmatch guys that are not only the they, they're probably the nicest people I ever met. Like, honestly, I've been around more wrestlers and comedians just because I just like being around them because they're just so nice. This conversation yeah. is funny because you went <laughs> seamlessly into a wrestler stabbing somebody in the forehead. And I thought yeah. you were talking about a comedian. No, it's <laughs> like I was like, I want to uh, know the comedian's name. Let me let me know who not to book. I'm pretty sure they would want to do that, but they can't do it on stage. I think there was a stand-up comedian who stabbed themselves after right. a set. Yeah. I get that. Um, but yeah, no, I know somebody that told me that they're talking to a guy. He's like covered in blood. They went to a bar after he's bleeding through his shirt still because of the cuts he had all over his body. And he went, oh, stand up. I could never do that. I'd be too scared. Oh, my <laughs> God. Like, you just went through glass, dude. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> That's scary. Oh, man. But yeah, it's, I it's crazy. It's, I watch all like the dark side of the rings and mm-hmm. it doesn't even need to be a topic I'm interested in. If there's a good documentary, I'm going to watch. And oh yeah of course those are amazing those are great and, yeah so i watched like the it was the like the weird matches in japan it was like the exploding oh rings. fmw yes yeah that is nuts yeah. and then i would say every three episodes you get abdullah the butcher coming out and you're like oh my god what did that guy do to his head and oh yeah i mean it's all <laughs> scarred from cutting himself and I'm like, it is i love comedy but i mm-hmm. don't know if i would <laughs> i don't know if i take it to that degree like, yeah, some comedians have scars. <laughs> yeah, they just wear long sleeves. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's crazy, Abdullah. There are some wrestlers that do that style of uh, wrestling, and I've noticed they blade different ways just to avoid that. Oh, really? Just kind of, yeah, like I know one that kind of has like a shaved mullet. He still has hair on the sides, and I noticed the way he blades is he takes a little blade and kind of like pokes himself oh, okay. on the side of his head instead. And he like tilts his head over that way. It looks like it's coming from the top, but not really. And that was kind of smart. But uh, yeah, so it's a weird thing to be good at cutting yourself. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know who it was, but somebody and it's probably many people, but like hid like the corner of a razor blade tied around something in their mouths. Mm-hmm. And I was like, how do you do that? And also wrestle and not. I mean, maybe they are cutting themselves in the mouth, too. But like, I mean, it sounds I awful. Yeah, I think I've heard that, but that's not usually, I'm assuming that's not usually where they, they usually have like a taped wrist and they yeah. just have it taped in there and it's like very tiny. And then like when the time comes, they just take it out or a referee can hand it to them and they'll just go real quick in the corner and throw it somewhere, you know, in the yeah. mouth. I think I've heard that before, but I would not do that. That's not smart. <laughs> <laughs> like lesson one, don't put mm-hmm. raises in your mouth. No, and you think you don't have to tell people that, but yeah, (laughs) here we are. So were you born in Brooklyn? Born in Queens, technically, but raised in Bushwick, Brooklyn. Yeah. When did you start doing comedy? 2011, I think. I drank a lot. Um, (laughs) Yeah, especially because I was so nervous. But now I remember, yeah, 2011. I remember that was the time 
I kept going with like one of my be- my best friends at the time. We kept going to these comedy shows. We kept finding these comedy shows in the city, and we kept going to comedy clubs. And I was just like, man, I want to do that. I want to do that. And then you know, growing up in New York City, you're kind of told to go to school, get a decent job that you can pay rent, get married. That's about it, right? No one, I mean, for me, nobody really told me, like, you know, except the teachers, but you didn't really believe them, <laughs> that you could do what you wanted to do and all that stuff. They're like, just go to school, go to college, so you make money, and that's it. You're set. So I remember I just kept telling my friend, like, man, like, I wish I could do this. And then she was like, you could totally do this. I was like, what? And she goes, here, look. And she pulls out her phone. She goes, you know, they have open mics where you could practice comedy, right? I was like, what? And then that's when I learned where open mics are. And she was like, yeah. So I remember we went to an open mic together but i just wanted to watch you know that's what happens you just want to watch yeah, i went once you don't want to go up right away yeah good time fun everybody was funny too i enjoyed it it was that one guy that's always like getting nothing and it's like oh this is awkward um and yeah i was like cool i'm gonna sign up next week so i, I emailed him got me on for next week i'm thinking my friend's gonna be there to support me and that was just a precursor to the rest of your comedy career nobody's <laughs> gonna be there uh she had to cancel <laughs> and so i was there by myself i um thought okay you know what you think you're gonna be good you know you got this you got this so i was like cool i'm excited i go up i think i was like third and I ate probably one of the worst dicks of my life Ugh, that was like I still have the video somewhere. There's like an awkward 45 seconds of silence because I forgot what I wanted to oh, say. Like I just kept going, wait, wait. And my 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 my, my notebook of bullshit <laughs> was on the table and I refused to get off stage to get the notebook. I didn't know I or I didn't know I could do that. Yeah. You know, so I was just like, wait, there's a thing about like trains and they should have blades on the doors. And you close them. <laughs> that's, that's, that was what I thought was funny. I was like, "Yeah, you should have blades on trains, and you could just you know, cut someone's arm off." Me, like, meanwhile, everybody in the audience is like, "Dude, dude, go to the table." Yeah, please. Yeah, go they ahead. were like, "They're like, oh, seek therapy." What the fuck? Like, <laughs> what is this shit? I hated hipsters at the time. It was just a terrible set. I was like, "These fucking hipsters," you know. I was such a Italian Brooklyn dude. It was crazy. <laughs> but yeah, I got no laughs. I remember the walk to the home was mostly me staring at the sidewalk. So it was just like sidewalk, you know, <laughs> door to someone's basement. Like, I don't remember anything else, just looking down the whole time. And a couple months later, I found this group, Brooklyn Comedy Underground. I don't know if you ever heard of it. I don't think so. It was basically a bunch of free mics all week. Free mics to go to. No money at all. Because back then, everything was like five bucks. You know, everything charged. It was really hard to find a free mic. And if you did find a free mic, it wasn't that great because it was a free mic and nobody cared. But the Brooklyn Comedy Underground thing, it was not only free, but it was also a good time. Like everybody stayed because we're all friends with each other. We all became friends with each other. We all had fun, you know, and it wasn't clicky at all. Like usually you, you go to a clicky mic and say you don't know anyone there and they're like yeah they don't want to be friends with you no we were like those guys were like hey what's up i'm so-and-so like you know hey what's up josh how are you you know you should come back yeah you suck you're terrible but you should come back next week and try again and that's what i did i kept bombing and, and they were kept telling me too, like after the show don't bomb forever but keep doing it don't make you stop coming and it was like all right and then like i remember 
I took a break and I was trying trying to go to the gym at the time and all that stuff. And I came back and I did this mic in uh, one of their mics in Greenpoint. And I was like, I started getting laughs. I was like, holy shit. They're like, yeah, you notice how you're writing stuff? And I'm like, yeah, you know. And <laughs> it's like, yeah, you're writing jokes. And I was like, oh shit. And yeah, that's when I started. And it's when you, that's the process of like figuring out like what's funny, what's not, you know, how to actually write. Yeah, I bought the Judy Gold book too. <laughs> I think everyone did. Did you? <laughs> no, I haven't gotten that. I have Sam Talent's book that I haven't read yet, and I know I need uh, to. What's but, that one? Oh my god! I, a friend, uh, Judy Carter. I meant not Judy Gold. Judy Carter, Judy, the Comedy wow. Bible. Yeah, is that Judy Carter? Yeah, yeah I, I still I, have it. Right there. I, don't, I don't even know where the Sam Talent book is. That's not my book. I gotta mm-hmm. find that. Good. <laughs> I gotta find it and read it. The guy is coming back and like, oh shit, he's back next week. Well, he'll be back yeah. in June again. So I'll, <laughs> I'll read it eventually. Mm-hmm. What brought you back that second time? I mean, you took a couple months off. You bombed hard. Uh, what? Oh yeah. What got you back? I just was like, I don't know. It was just like, dude, it was just something telling you, like, you know, you can do this. Like something like you know how to do this. You just have to figure it out. You know. And I was like, I don't want to give up because I was like. I don't know how to explain it. It was just like, if I would have just stopped completely at first, it felt good. Cause it was like, yeah, that was embarrassing. I'm never doing that again. But then it started being like, I kept thinking about it, you know, like I kept thinking about it, thinking about it, thinking about it. I want to keep doing, I want to do it. I want to figure out how to do this. Right. And then, yeah, I'll fast forward to, you know, now, I guess, I mean, there was a time where I did actually for a while, well, it was a couple of years. I did take a break. Yeah. I walked away for, for a little while. Like, I would say, hmm, 2018 to 2021, maybe? I mean, it's a pretty good time. Yeah, I would say, because um, during that time, I had, like, a girlfriend and everything, and was dating, and I didn't really care about anything else, and right. kind of, like, close everyone out, and you go into that world, and you're constantly thinking about it. It goes back to thinking about it again. Ah, oh, man, what am I doing? You know, and I would go to, like, Mike's once in a while to pop in and out there, but it wasn't, like actively trying to get shows or anything i didn't care i'm like oh, i'll go to the mic to hang out and do some time bullshit and then uh yeah pandemic happened and after that i got my booster shot and i was like yeah i'm getting back into this again been doing that ever since <laughs> so again you take the break and yeah. uh, pandemic happened why go back on the stage i was hanging out with a friend of mine i mean a new friend at the time she was also a comedian very funny I kept, you know, it was part of, it was the formula of me keeping, like, I kept thinking about it, and then she was doing it. Right. So, and I'm just like, and I kept talking about, like, when I used to do it. I'm like, man, I should really get back into it, you know. And then I was going to, but we accidentally went to a show to hang out at where they had an open mic after, and it was just like, oh, I guess you're fucking doing it now. I was like, oh, shit. What was it like when you got back on stage? Oh, it was great. It, was, it, it felt like, like yesterday. Like, it was just nothing. It was weird. Because like it was a thing I haven't done forever, and it was just like I got back into it. I remembered how I did it, and just like nothing, it was the same thing. It was good. They're like, "Oh, that was great. You haven't got on in how long?" I was like, and then I went back to the nitpicky of like, "Yeah, I should have did this. I should have did that." And I'm like, "Oh, here we go again." This bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> like, just, yeah. Well, I think about that a lot because I didn't start doing comedy at all until I was like 33, and mm. I still, you know, I'm getting better with it. But like, I'll see somebody. He was 21 or 23. And I'm like, why, why didn't I start then? And where could I have been had I started yeah. in, you know, 2005 instead of 
2016. You know, like, I mean, it's, yeah, it's tough, but you are who you are. You're where you are. Yeah, exactly. I think a big thing to take from that is you can always, I think there's no time frame. There's a lot of people that put emphasis on time frame. There's really no time frame on when you start. Everything's like a marathon, you know, uh, with comedy. There's certain people who get ahead faster than others, you know, mostly because of some yep. substance. And, you know, that's the truth. And the reason why I say that is because, like, I remember when I started investing into myself with, like, my job, like, my job pays well. And I started spending money on, like, traveling for comedy and, yep. you know, getting to places to go to comedy. And then I started seeing some things. I was like, oh, that's why, because I'm spending money on myself now. Imagine these people that have all the money because of their parents and all the time in the world and no job. I'm like, it just makes sense. I'm not going to name names either. <laughs> I'm trying not to sound bitter, but it's just true. It's part of that is it. And yeah, it really is a marathon. You got to enjoy it. You got to enjoy it because if you're not, then that's when you need to walk away from it. You got to enjoy what you're doing. I enjoy what you're creating. You got to enjoy wanting to be better. If you start like wanting to, if you start wanting to get club spots, you know, I want to get past at this club or I want to get on this festival and I need to, you're forgetting the fact that you're not improving because I, I try to tell people that. And some people kind of listen. Some people don't because I feel like it would make you a lot happier if you like realize like, Hey, what if I focus on wanting to be better at this? Like yeah. really good. Instead of trying to worry about this club going to pass me or not. Cause I mean, if you do it that way, it's just like, you're not going to grow. You're not going to get better. And it's not going to be fun. You know, like right now I'm trying to, I started this, um, a monthly free comedy show in Brooklyn, Pink Box Rock Shop. And my goal for that was like, instead of being better, let me learn how to promote first. And right. I think after this past show on May, it was just constantly packed every month. And I'm like, all right, cool. I got something here. Now I can get to work on what I want to do because it's my fucking show. I could perform if I want to. <laughs> so, I mean, I do perform, but you know, I just, I focus more on the promoting part, but like now I'm like, all right, cool. Let me, See what I could make since I got that part, I think, down. I think that's huge because, yeah, for me, I run shows in upstate New York and dip into Pennsylvania a little bit, but like the bitch, <laughs> it, it is, it's a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. But on the performance side, like I host all the shows every oh, once damn. in a while. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm a slut for stage time. So, like, you know, I'll, I'll fucking do that. But I also, yeah. like, by doing that, it forces me to be accountable. I tend to write more. Is it good? I don't know, but it's getting things out of my system. But I keep mm -hmm. writing because a lot of them are monthly shows. So I'm like, well, it's a disservice to the audience who comes back to see the same 10 minutes. And I'm like, really? let me at least vary it up. And you can argue against it because I'm not working out that 10 minutes as much yeah. as I probably should be. But mm -hmm. I feel like it's it's only fair that if I'm going to be on the show again, I better have new material so I don't bore people. I, you know what? I thought that too, but there was somebody that I didn't know was coming to the show every month. There was right. a few people actually. And they came up to me and they said, one of my jokes I told at every show has gotten so much better. Although they really? know what the joke is now. Yeah. So once I heard that, I was like, really? They're like, yeah, we just love hearing it. Like, it's good, but like you made it better because you do this now. Like that was new of it. And it was funny. I was like, thank you. Like, so I was like, okay, cool. That same set. Cause you, you, that I feel like the same set thing gets in your head. Mm -hmm. It's part of the negativity where it's like, oh, I'm doing the same set again. 
you know, I kind of had that bad last week and I was just like, yeah, I'm just going to sit out. Cause also I'm like doing everything else. So I'm like giving every comic the drink tickets that the bar gives, um, running, getting people in the seats. I'm organizing seats. I'm cleaning up after the freaking open mic to happen before. Cause they're a mess. Um, you know, running sound. I do the sound too. Yeah. Time everybody. Cause the host is, I try to get somebody else to host and I just do everything else. So I'll time everyone, all that, make sure time, you know, everything runs smoothly. And yeah, I mean, I should definitely find someone else to help me out, <laughs> but it's hard. I mean, I, you know, it's just hard. It's hard to do all that. You well, know, I worked with people in the past and mm-hmm. it's not, I think it's more of an indictment on me and my style, but like I, you know, I've been burned by people. So yeah. I don't want to do that. I don't want to trust somebody to do something and then not do it. And I have to do it anyway. But also, yeah, I don't think I'm the easiest person to work with. So like, I like things how I like them. And mm-hmm. even breaking down the equipment, one of my buddies did a show with me on Saturday and I went out to my car to pay comedians in cash. I was waiting for the, the bar to pay me. And I'm like, well, these guys want to get in the road. I got cash in the car. So I'll pay you there. And nice. the guy inside was a sweetheart. He broke down the equipment. He folded the banner I use. He folded up the mic stands. He undid the cords, the power strips, whatever. All great things. Mm-hmm. But like even that, I found flaws because, and it, I think it's my flaws. He undid everything. He put everything away too well. Like he unplugged everything from the power strip. I'm like, no, I usually keep that together so I don't have to do yeah. it the next time. Like things like mm-hmm. that. Where I'm like, oh, that's the kind of thing that like would drive people who work with me nuts because mm-hmm. like, well, you don't need to do it. And everything, even if they're doing it with good intentions, is kind of a little bit wrong. So I think yeah. my personality type is like, well, let me just do it. So I mean, it's yeah. very hard for me to ask for help. I would say that's the thing. I'll be like, OK, I'll just do it like that next time. You know, yeah. <laughs> I'll just do it that way next time, which makes sense. I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to do as much, too. But yeah. Yeah, it's hard. I did have a co-host last year, and um, I love him. He's my best friend. <laughs> you know, he's one of my buddies, and you know him. <laughs> and yeah, yeah. Uh, great guy. Love hanging out with him. But running a show together, not doing that again. <laughs> I just I just can't. Like, you know, there's um, I feel like as a comedy, if you want to start to have a show and you want to have a good show, there's work involved, obviously. And there's a lot of work that you have to do for free. You know, I'm I'm literally doing everything i can to make the show packed out every freaking month and it's working but yeah uh, when you notice you're not really getting help which is that's what was happening and they're kind of like feel like it's more of um they're there for stage time that was that's how i felt they're just there for stage time and i'm yep. doing everything else also i was having issues with the venue at the time the venue kind of sucked um they still do suck <laughs> um they weren't good. Like I was, really, it was just fighting every month about something, and I was trying to have a good show there, and it was just not working out with them. They kept like canceling dates and stuff. Like, that's oh, the by the way, your show that's happening tomorrow, I just got bought out by Netflix, so we have to close the place for them for three days. Can you do your show next week? And I'm like, no, I just had yeah. all these people, and it was just shit like that. So it was a mix of working with this guy plus that, and then I just was like, you know what, I'm done. And it's it was better than me saying because I he's my buddy I can't tell him like dude I can't fucking do this with you anymore right. yeah I can't do that to him but I could be like I don't want to do the show at all anymore it's done especially with the venue it was mostly the venue that you know but then when I started doing this pine box show I was like it's just me 
It's not for a while. It's just me. I'm doing everything. I don't care. Maybe I'll take. I'm. I'm thinking about actually asking another friend of mine to help out soon, in a couple of months. Just figuring out your situation as well. It is. It's very hard to ask somebody help, but yeah. I'm like, it's like one of those things. It's like real life. You gotta realize when you need help, and you gotta ask. You know, and yeah. you gotta ask the right person. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think comedians in my experience are a little, and not everyone's the same, but I think they're a little selfish and I think you kind of need to be, but yeah. Yeah. So when I ask somebody to do something that, you know, might not pay well, like, like doing the extra work that never happened. Mm -hmm. Like I was in a group with three other people. I was dating one of them and I was the only one to go to all the events. And like, how's that work? Like Mm -hmm. if you, if they were not on the show, they wouldn't go. And it's not, they were booked on somewhere else like that. I completely you know, I'd be okay with, but I'm mm-hmm. like, you're not even like you, you recommended these people to be booked. And now I've got to go and pay out of pocket if we don't make this and you're not promoting. And that really bothered me. So I think yeah. if I went off on my own, if a show failed, I could blame myself rather mm-hmm. than take the blame for other people. Like I'm like, yeah. it's, a, it's a one man show kind of like in the production sense. And I'd feel much better taking the L than you know, having three other people let me down and then right. take the L. Yeah, that's why I was very happy with my situation. The venue just sucked flat out. I mean, like, yeah, I was going through some stuff with this guy, but also at the same time, like, it's not like I'm not thinking of doing something with him in the future. Yeah. You know, I'm just, you know, just not now. You know, I'm trying to right now, you, like you said, you got to be selfish. And right now I'm trying to build a thing that's like consistently packed out where I can take advantage of it and tape something. You know, work on stuff to tape something in the future. You know, that's my plan or start doing some other ideas that I have. Like, I do have some ideas that I want to do and, you know, it involves people show up. And once I have like a little, a little like, I guess, following in person, which is kind of what I'm creating there, because I do have a lot of people now that are literally coming back to the show every month. I don't know if it's because of the show itself, because of me or because it's free. Probably all free. It's a good it's a good thing, you know? Uh, yeah. So we'll see what happens. You know, I talk to comedians all over the country and mm. people in Buffalo, New York, like they're convinced that they're funny in part because of where they grew up and it's cold. They've got the bills. They're just surrounded by disappointment and broken dreams. <laughs> Growing up in New York. Do you think that gives you an advantage? Like, do you think the people there are inherently funnier or at least funny? Um. Well, Whoever that was with Buffalo, that could totally be true because everyone's different. Like with stand up in general, with me, my stand up, I like to talk about things about me. I don't really like to go topical or political or talk about any other thing in general. Like, did you hear about dudes on it? I don't do that. I just talk about me and situations I deal with a lot, like things I go through. And that's just what works for me. Growing up here, yeah, there's a lot that kind of like influences it, you know, a lot of bad, a lot of good too. I think with just the New York, because I've been to a few places, I got to go to a few places to do comedy. And I feel like here in New York, there's just like this old school, like, you know, uh, jokes matter thing. Right. Like your writing matters because everyone will, maybe because of com- how long comedy's stand up has been going on here. Like, you know, especially like how deep rooted it is here in New York City, um, because everyone's 
Yeah, we've been to comedy shows before, but now we're like, we know how stand-up works, but we love stand-up, but now we want to listen to your words, if that makes sense. Yeah. Austin's very edgelordy <laughs> now, more than ever. That's the vibe I get from there. They like they care more about like how far they'll go in a joke rather than the writing in a joke, which is not true for everyone there, but it's like there's a, there's a good chunk of that scene that's like that, you know. Denver's a pretty good comedy scene, too. I didn't get to perform out there yet, but I've been to some places, and they're also very, like, big on writing and everything. It was a really cool spot uh, scene over there. And L.A., L.A. was okay. <laughs> what are your LA's more like, I mean, L.A. was cool. Met some cool people out there. Actually, I had a comic that I met out there. They were great. Uh, they were on my show uh, this past Friday, too. They were out here. Uh, LA comedy is really more like you need to that's where you get seen because if you're not good and you're doing comedy out there you're getting seen like that <laughs> um, and then also it's like a lot harder to get stage time out there like there's also a lot of these celebrities that will you know it's like you can't perform tonight because you just got booked by the actor from some dumb show right, you know what right, I'm saying? right and they don't do comedy much but they try but because they're the actor the famous actor and they live out there they get the spot I, That's how it is there. It's weird. So one of my favorite podcasts right now is about Boy Meets World. And I love Boy Meets World. Unapologetically, mm -hmm. I love the show. And they just had Jody Sweeten on and you know from Full House. And mm -hmm. I'm like contractually obligated to mention Full House at least one episode or at least once <laughs> in every episode. But she mentioned that Jody Sweeten mentioned she is doing stand-up now. And I'm like, <laughs> maybe, like, I'm sure she's funny, but she's talking about yeah. how like, yeah, I'm I'm at the comedy store. I'm like, what? Since when? And right. Yeah. And that's the thing. It's like, well, that I completely understand that you're probably funny and, or you got somebody to write and you have experiences that are really unique. And if anybody, she probably has the stories, you know, being hooked on meth and married to a cop and all that stuff. Yeah. Like, really? I mean, any open mic would be great, but I'm like, mm -hmm. if you're not Jody Sweeten, are you at the comedy store in a year or two? Probably not. Uh, no, I mean, that was purely based on she's Jody Sweden. Yeah. And you get from Full House, you know, and that goes back to the thing with the comedy clubs. Like, like, here's my thing with comedy clubs. Like, first of all, I don't some of them. Yeah, they're nice. But like, I don't think you should be trying to actively chase to be pastor. I've made that mistake and it was not making me happy at all. And then, like once you realize how a comedy club works and how they survive. You're like, oh, I could do this myself somewhere else. Yeah. Comedy clubs are not like if you're a new comic and you want to get past the comedy club, you got to suck a lot of their dick to get past there. Uh, a lot of cock. Comedy <laughs> cock is what I like to call it. <laughs> oh, that's uh, you do a lot kind. of shit for them for free. You know, you're just, you know, you're basically just constantly blowing them when they need need it for years. And then maybe they start letting you do checks. That's why I noticed with some people who came from no nobody. They were just doing that. They were working for free there. And for the most part, they will not pass you or book you unless you have a following, which goes back to the, the audience. Somebody told me, as far as advice goes, build your following. You know, say me a year from now, I start working on wrestling stuff, right? Uh, my following grows because of that. And next, you know, my social media, it's all social media today. Social media matters, right? And so your social media blows up and you have this like following because of the fact that or the podcast, mm -hmm. right? 
And now you have a following and a comedy club goes, Ooh, I put your name on the thing. It will sell tickets. And that's how they make their money. That's how they pay their rent, you know, their bills and all that. Cause if they're not going to put Joe Schmo from whatever on a club regularly, cause you know, not everyone buys a comedy club ticket going, let's go to a comedy club. They follow comedians. They look at the lineup. Oh, who's there? I don't know these people. You know what I mean? And that's just the way it is. That's just how it always be. And if you're going to tell yourself different, then I don't know what to tell you. Like, you're going to be depressed for a very long time. But yeah, also, like, you could literally start your own show and make money and you could produce your own stuff and just do make your own things. You know that. Like, you just make your own money and not have someone else take a cut, you know, and pay everyone that worked for you good money if you grow it that far. That's like, that's my goal. My goal is to, uh, with the show, eventually start charging. But I don't know if it's start charging or whatever, but make enough money, uh, make enough money where I could pay, uh, let's say a comic on a show can make money to pay a bill. Yeah. Like, oh, dude, I could pay my phone bill because I did your show. Thank you. You know, that's like my thing with that. I'm always trying to figure out how to do that. I get torn a little bit because I produce like monthly shows. So, you know, mm-hmm. I've got a standard on, let's say, the first Friday and first Saturday. So I'm like, well, if wisecrackers with funny bone if they ask me to do something i can't do it because i can do like spot shows and like you got a mm-hmm. special event that happens on a monday mm-hmm. or tuesday sunday i'm your guy but i can't give you that whole weekend and i get mm-hmm. upset with myself but i'm also like but if i were hosting at that show i would get 50 dollars. and producing a show up in upstate new york for what i'm charging i make 100 plus at my show and mm-hmm. i'm paying two or three other people decent money like right. de- decent upstate money and mm-hmm. probably more than they would get if they featured at that club. So like right. I'm torn between it and I know financially I'm doing the right thing. I'm probably seen by a few less people who aren't at that club, but are they going to yeah. remember me as the host anyway? Probably not. Yeah. I mean, mm, I don't know. Like for example, like I do give, I also give, you know, I give them my Fridays the first Friday of the month. I do the same exact thing. First Friday of the month. And this past Friday, we actually made money. But the problem was I had so many comedians. Yeah. So it wasn't a lot for everyone. But I got to pay the comedians that were there basically like 20 bucks each. We made like 126 or something like that, which is the most I ever made as far as I just did like eh, donations, you know. Yeah. And it, not only it was a great show, people were throwing in money in there. Like I had the jar and then I punched down the money and I was like, thank you guys so much. Like. I didn't, you know, wasn't like forcing it on them, but they were just like, dude, that was fun. Thank you. That was fun. Yeah. Thank you. And then I just went to the corner. I t- I counted all the money. It was like 126. I divided it. And I was like, all right, 2020, 2020, 2026 20, 20, for the host. Yep. <laughs> I had like two more people. I so I, I, I st- that's just me. I got to give them something. Although I read that was all the money that we made. I'm going to lose out money, but at least, you know, they get something, you know, and uh, I don't take any of it. Like, I don't need to. Or whatever. I just enjoy having fun Friday night. So that's like my payment. And, you know, anything else, they get the money. You know, they came out. And I think that helps your reputation too. So next time you have to book that show, it's going to be, it might be a little easier. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully I'm I'm still trying to figure the money thing out because I hate it. I hate dealing with money. But yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Maybe next month will be even better. Mm -hmm. One of my favorite parts about producing is paying people. As sick Mm -hmm. as it is, like, I just like it. And yeah, what is kind of, I don't know, it's kind of depressing when you think about it, but like when somebody's very surprised that you pay them what you pay them and right away or at all, you're like, what, 
who hurt you? Yeah. Like, you know, like, like who ripped you off earlier that <laughs> your bar for trust is so low that me paying you $45 when I said I would is a surprise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's wild. I mean, yeah, well, we're all used to just doing this for free because we oh, care yeah. more about yep. wanting to progress a joke better or just being present on stage better than actually getting paid for it. You know, there's some comics that they bust their ass to earn how to get paid constantly. And that's what that's another reason why I'm like, I, I want to try to be better than how I was last week, because I want to be able to one day, if God forbid, I don't have a job, I have a rate. You know, I have a good decent rate to pay bills, and that's because I'm that good. You know, hopefully one day I get there. I don't know. I'm trying, you know. That's like my number one focus. But yeah, it does feel good. Like I remember handing out the money to the comics that were there. They're like, Oh shit, thank you, thank you. I was like, Yeah, here you go, here you go, here you go. Take it, take it. You know, I was like, I don't want it. But yeah, it was (laughs) it was kind of cool. It was nice. I mean, it wasn't that much, but then that made me go, Man, I have too many comics on the show. In a couple of months, I'm gonna have to cut it to like in half yeah and it, it's it's annoying too because like like you know you run a monthly show yep you know i'm pretty sure you have a f- the, those few people who keep hitting you up like dude how come you haven't booked me yet mm-hmm. and it's like because it's a monthly show dude I, i'm still getting other people before like i did so many people and then there was one person that posted something on facebook they were like you're not getting through that many comics i was like yeah i, I know a few a lot of people like, there was kind of a side shade. It was weird. I was like, I'm literally getting through all the people that I said I was going to book at my previous show. Then I'm getting to other people. And now when I'm going to make less, I'm going to have the lineup have less people. And it's going to even take even longer. Because, like, right. what I like to do is the venue gives me, like, four months. And I book those four months right away. Yep. Me too. I write down who's on it. And then I'll think about it. Because it's less work for me to do. Yep. I don't want to sit and wait on somebody going, can you do my show in, like, three? And then it's, you know... You know, the next thing you know, you're trying to book a show last minute and you're like, can you do my show next week? Because I still have nobody, you know, and it's just crappy in a way. Like, well, I don't want to deal with that. I just want to just book it, get it over with. I just got a room and I booked the first show. It's a monthly. So guys mm-hmm. like, yeah, can you do the third Friday of the month? I'm like, yep, got it. And we're going to start mm-hmm. in June. I'm like, all right, cool. So I got that lineup. I mean, I barely got the text messages from the guy and I'm like, all right, I know who to ask. Got those two in place. And then I'm like, all right, well, here is uh, here's my next three lineups that I want. And I went to work today. I'm like, all right, I got two of the three done. So now that place is booked through August because, I mean, I run a lot of rooms. So I'm like, if I can get them onto like we do ticket sales, like if I can get them onto Eventbrite, if I can get them on Facebook, that's official. So Mm -hmm. I don't need to worry about them. I have to promote them. But the lineup is done. And I found that if I book two, three, four months ahead, theoretically, I can get the better comedians or the ones yeah. I want. And I can vary it up and upstate. I mean, I'm sure you go through the same thing, but like, I don't want to repeat the comedians in that same room very often. No. So, and it's spaced out enough. We have enough talent up here that I don't need to reuse the same person more than once a year. And right. thankfully I have like, you know, however many rooms. So nobody's starving for work really. But mm-hmm. you know, if they, they're pissed mm-hmm. off, they can't get in Naples. Oh, it's okay. You have Bristol, you know, it's, it's fine, but it helps me keep it straight. And it makes it, I think more fair for everybody else. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah, but I definitely get hit up and I'm like, just be patient if they are. I don't know. I mean, so a couple of people, you know, I've heard complained that I don't book them 
and I keep a log of everybody I booked in the upstate area. And like the last six years, I booked more than 200 people. So like nobody is mm-hmm. doing what I'm doing up here. My theory is like, if you want to bad muff me, look at the stats and okay, then think I'm an asshole. But you know, I have the right yeah. to say I'm not. I have five people on each lineup and I've probably had eight altogether. So yeah. I had like a couple guests, like I was just like last minute, hey, just do some time or whatever. So you count that where this is November. This is number eight coming up, I think. We started in November. I think that's how you do math. <laughs> oh, yeah. So this is number eight coming up. So that's like 64 comedians, yep. maybe at least, you know, and oh, Kitty. I thought yeah. that was my cat for a minute because I have my cat <laughs> somewhere around here. Is he, and a, he, is he Russian blue? No, he's a Siamese. Oh, uh, I just saw a cat and I was like, oh, because you know, you can see, yeah, you can see the green screen yep. back here and he'll yep. like to pop in and everything. Um, but yeah, no, it's like I try my best to like not book the same people every month, you know. And then there's some people who I started the new show and then they're asking me to be on it. I'm like, dude, I booked you on my old show, yeah. And I'm like, let me get back to these people first, and then they get upset or they're like, oh, he. And then it plays into that. Oh, the comedians start to have that dumb thing in their brain where they go, "He doesn't want me there." Like, no, dude, I'm 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 busy, man. Yeah. Like, I booked the show. I don't think about it. Then I have all these other things I'm doing. I'm like doing the podcast. The podcast I do, I edit everything and yep. post it out. Like, I literally, I think we gotta tape it today or tomorrow. Uh, <laughs> we literally probably maybe after this, I gotta start doing that one, <laughs> and then edit everything, post it online, all that stuff, and pay the pod bean all that you use pod bean no i use buzzsprout so same deal is it, though is there still you gotta pay something to yeah I, yeah, you know annoying. what you know what i found though like i don't know if pod bean can do this but i'm embarrassed that it took me so long but mm. it's a smart system but if you block out your episodes like weeks in advance like i get a monthly allotment like six hours a month but if you put like a 30 minute episode in there and then like put two dummy episodes, you can go back in a month and replace the audio file with an actual episode. And actually you can save money that way. Does that make sense? You, we, uh, no, cause I'm still new to this. Okay. Stuff. Okay. okay. Uh, so basically yeah, I, if I have six hours, my episodes, I can, I can upload five of the full length episodes a month. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's like an hour and 12 minutes on the average. So if I only record four, then in that fifth spot, I can put two episodes in there. Just I put them dummy one, dummy two, and yeah. then the next month will start. And then I can go back into that dummy one and dummy two and put full length episodes and kind of trick the system. So I'm getting mm. six episodes instead of five. So it's okay. really, it's really <clears throat> dumb, but like you save a little bit of money each month. Yeah. You're, it's actually smarter. And you, I just pay like whatever I pay and, it's just unlimited whatever. Oh, so I don't that's think about way easier. Yeah. I mean, for me, I mean, I don't know how I'm still learning. Like this is this is actually my first podcast that we that I've been involved in. I just remember I was like, yeah, I want to do something I like, like wrestling. And then there you go. We, we actually started it. And uh yeah, like I took over like editing and uploading all that because I was like, I want to actively do that. I want to be able to make sure it's out and I have the time. I know how to do stuff. I have two computers and I could do it, you know, I'm very tech savvy and as well. So I took over that and yeah, it's, I, I gotta look into that eventually Maybe figure out how to save some money. How do you like the podcasting? I mean, how do you like editing all that goes into it? 
I love it because I hate. <laughs> I was gonna say I hate work, which is true. <laughs> but I didn't want to say it, but now it's out there. Right? Yeah, like I'll find some time during my, you know, the day and try to edit everything. It's cool. I learned, especially because we do we do video with the uh, on YouTube, so I learned how to use Adobe Premiere Pro, which is kind of cool, and it gets you more creative as far as like more ideas of what you want to mm-hmm. do with it. So. Every week I'm learning something with it and I feel like I've gotten way better, like where it takes less and less time to edit everything. You know, it's fun. I mean, it's a lot. It's like, again, you're just adding more stuff to your plate, but keeps me busy. You know, I got that going on. So that's cool. Yeah. I mean, pretty much I probably between everything I do, I probably work like 18 hours a day and Mm. I like it. I mean, I like everything I'm doing, but like I slept in until noon yesterday. And I got mad at my girlfriend. I'm like, why don't you wake me up? She goes, I'm not going to wake you up when you need sleep. You yeah. Idiot. And I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. And I felt great all day. But I'm like, I slept till noon. I'm like, I was going to get up at nine and edit. Like mm-hmm. now I lost three hours of editing time. And yeah. I'm like, yeah, well, I can do that later. It's not a big deal. But right. my brain is like, no, I, I need to do, I need to be active. I need to do so many things. Otherwise I'll fall behind. And it's like, well, yeah, that's just that's how I illness. feel. Yeah, it's weird. It's like it's like eleven o'clock, and you're like, "Oh shit, I can't do what I had to do to get today." And it's like it's eleven in the morning. It's like, no, I gotta do it at seven. That works. Might as well go back to bed. Yeah, it's like "Ah, it's over. Try again tomorrow. Have you noticed that podcasting has made your comedy a little better? Uh it's made it better as far as me. Like, it's definitely improved my speaking. Mm -hmm. I mean, I was good talking on the mic in general. I. like to say but especially when you do it more it's made it better especially riffing because yep. you're kind of just shooting the shit uh riffing a lot on your podcasts and although it is wrestling related you can't really use that in the stage you know it's hard to do a wrestling joke on stage i, I think it's hard to do any sports material on stage yeah it's because you you know one thing about that is you gotta make it relatable yeah it's just it's real niche bitch. But yeah, I will say like, especially with riffing, especially I'm more comfortable just saying without going off script, if you want to call it that, just not even doing material. So I'm more comfortable with that, I would say, as far as doing podcasts. I didn't work on crowd work until I started doing a podcast. And I don't think that's, (laughs) I don't really think that's, well, in upstate crowd work, we really don't rely on it too much. I mean, it's a really nice tool. I have seen New York City comedians up here who really don't touch it. I mean, they might be doing crowd work jokes that, you know, worked on the city, but like they don't seem to touch any material. And it's just like 25 minutes of straight crowd work. And it's so incredible. But I feel like that's like a New York skill that you just have to learn down there. Um, Yes and no. I'm not really a crowd work person. I kind of, I actually, honestly, I hate seeing crowd work videos on Instagram. Because a lot of them feel forced. Yeah. And it's like the thing now. Here's my problem with crowd work. Crowd works only should be used if you're getting heckled or you're trying to warm up the crowd like as a host mm-hmm. thing. That's my thing. If someone's talking to you and you're talking back to them, then that's when you do crowd work. For the most part, I'm on stage. It's about me. I'm doing my set, you know, and I'm going to crush every part of my set. And that's that's just my mentality. As far as crowd work, I don't want to shit on other comedians, but it's just like, I feel like the comics who do the most crowd work don't know how to write. Yeah. <laughs> They're good at the crowd work part and they'll do that. But as far as material, 
Like they're, it's like whatever. Their crowd works way better, and that's why I, they're going to keep doing. I was then, wondering what they fall back on. Like if they have like a a private gig, whatever. Like yeah, they just rely on an unruly crowd. I have no idea. I mean, I've had that, but I just I would say the worst angry crowd I ever had was Foxwoods. Yeah, casino. I did a comedy show there, and they didn't like me off the bat because they were drunk casino pieces of shit. They're like screaming right away. Like I just started talking. And they're like, your haircut's stupid. <laughs> like you look dumb. Your pants are dumb. Your shirts. Why are you wearing a black shirt? And it was just so much of that. I was just like, I fucking hate you. I went like Bill Burr, Philadelphia on them. No shit. I didn't even care about my set anymore. And it was a competition about being funny or getting hit or something like that. And I definitely did not win. Uh, so I was just like, <laughs> fuck you. Fuck you. Go fuck yourself. Like. I don't remember, but that was probably the worst as far as a belligerent crowd goes. But yeah, the, another problem I have with crowd work is, especially now, because I, I have a friend that's related to this crowd work. Uh, everyone sees that on Instagram now, right? Those are the videos, TikTok, all yeah. that stuff. Crowd work. There's a lot of people, believe it or not, that have never been to a stand-up comedy show. Right. So when they see that, they think that's what going to a stand-up comedy show is, interrupting you. Being part of the show. I had a f- yeah, and it's not true. Uh, we had that the other day. Somebody thought, you know, they'd never been to a show. And I don't know if it was because of the videos, but they just kept saying, I'm dead. It was hilarious to me. But, like, they didn't know that that's not part of the show, that that's bad. You know, we they had to tell them, like, listen, you can't be heckling. That's not good. I had a friend at my show last year. He was extremely just, like, part of the show. He kept yelling things, yelling topics. It got to the point where he just yelled random things. And then the comedian told him, like, please shut the fuck up. And he got upset. He was like, what? Like, he thought he was doing it right. And it was like, no, dude, that's not how comedy works. And he was like, well, I guess I was wrong. You know, I'm like, yeah, you kind of were. But, you know, don't just try not to do that anymore. He goes, nah, I just don't want to be a part of it anymore. So ruined it. And I was just like. Yeah, well, I was like, well, if that's how you feel, sure. But, like, that's not what it is, you know. I'm trying to work hard up here, and you're constantly saying shit. You're just throwing me off, you know. But, yeah, that's my problem with crowd work videos. It's just it's just kind of ruining it in a way. I don't know. Yeah, my favorite part of those crowd work videos is reading the comments. And yeah. I'm like, okay, well, you know, as a comedian, I'm like, all right, well, what do they think about the material, if there is any, or mm-hmm. performance, everything. And... Most times it's kind of split 50 50. Like, oh, this person's hilarious, or this person doesn't know how to write a joke. Like, yeah, <laughs> I don't understand why this is funny. Uh, get a different job, you know, something like that. I was like, okay, that is really the only enjoyment I get out of crowded videos. And I think some of them mm-hmm. are fine. And, you know, maybe if I went through my sets every once in a while, I would have something to put online that's like that. But I don't know. I take more pride in writing a joke than I do. Mm-hmm. It almost feels Same. like a cheat. Like I know crowd work is a skill. Sometimes I think it's luck. And I've definitely had mm-hmm. parts of my set that were just, I mean, hugely bumped up because of some ad lib I had with an audience member. And I'll try right. to replicate that later. And it doesn't work. It doesn't have that magic, but it always bothers me that that crowd work moment did better than the joke I've written and performed for three years. <laughs> so I'm like, Ugh, that can happen. Yeah. Yeah. That's happened sometimes. Uh, doesn't happen all the time, but yeah, it's just part of it. I will say the crowd work videos that I've seen that I enjoy the most are a comedian. Uh, I don't know if you ever heard of her, Brittany Brave. No. Oh, okay. Follow her on Instagram. Very funny comic. 
Her crowd work videos are probably the ones I legit enjoy the most because they're just so they're not you're not she's not purposely picking people out of the crowd. It just mm-hmm. happens and she's funny. So it's just everything just works out great all together. Besides that, I don't know who else has a very good crowd work video. I'm trying to think. There might be somebody else, but right now off off the top of my head, I will say comedian Brittany Brave. Look her up. She's very funny. Crowd work videos are hilarious. But they're always like they portray as if, you know, the person in the audience interrupted her, which is what usually happens. And that's when you do the crowd work. Do you have a story about the worst set you've ever had? The worst show you've done? <laughs> I do. <laughs> I tell it all the time. Uh, it was like in the beginning of, I would say, two years in or something like that. I really started to develop a set, I think, right? Like in the beginning. I, started, I was like, oh, cool. I have a solid six to seven minutes or whatever set. My buddy booked me on a show in like East Village or something like that. And it was his monthly. And it was like probably, it was one of the biggest popular shows at the time. And I was excited. I was like, oh, pressure too at the same time. Like, I remember Michelle Wolf was on the fucking card back then. Oh, wow. um, she was on the show. Um, I can't think of who else was on the show, but it was like a long time ago. I was excited. I wanted to be good. I wanted, it was pressure, right? At the time, also, I had a couple of my friends, my boys, you know, I used to hang out with all the time. They were, weren't really hanging out with me. They were kind of like upset that I was starting to do comedy more mm-hmm. and they thought I was better than them or whatever. So we weren't really seeing each other like that. And I was excited for the show. I was like, come to the show. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. And I'm like, all right, I got the set consistently being funny with it. What I did was that day I went to like three open mics before the show thinking, I'm ready for this fucking show. Not knowing that would tire me out. Oh, no. So they came to the show. The show was packed out. I did like three open mics before my set. I did a four o'clock. I did a six o'clock and a seven o'clock. And then the show was like an eight. So I head down there to the show. I'm like, I'm ready. I'm pumped. Let's do this. Get some beers in me. I'm like nervous, obviously. Let's do it. I get on stage. I'm just so tired. (laughs) <laughs> I'm tired. My delivery was. Oh, no. Uh, I did not get one laugh at all. I think I got a Jesus. At one point. <laughs> it was that bad. And then I just ended it early and I got off. And then uh, as soon as I got off, I see my friends leaving the room. They just fucking left. No, worries. I was like, ooh, like, yeah, I was like, I knew I went bad, but geez. And yeah, I'll never forget the night because I was probably the worst ever. Not only the worst ever, but then like that happened on top of it. And it was just like, oh, this doesn't feel good. It was reminding me of the first time I went up. Right. You know, I was like, oh, this is bad. Do you remember yeah, how yeah. you did at those mics? I did fine. Okay. I did one good, really good one. And then the other two was like, it's good. You know, and then, but that was the thing. It was like you did too many and then you start to get burnt out. And then I, I, that's when I started to notice how I get burnt out. And I'm like, it's not everybody for everybody is different. Like everyone says you have to do like five or six mics a day. That's not for everyone. Some people, sure. Someone like me, I, I get burnt out way too easily and I don't need it. You know, like it just doesn't, it doesn't help. If anything, it hurts. So yeah. that's what I learned that day. I was like, don't ever do that again. Cause I was just <laughs> tired. I talked to Caitlin Palufo while. Nice. Yeah. She's <laughs> awesome. And she mm-hmm. said that when she started, she was doing like 30 mics a week. It sounds yeah. awful. I mean, it sounds amazing, <laughs> but at the same time, it's like, don't you miss your bed? Like, I mean, (laughs) sit down once or twice, but that's her competitive nature. And I'm competitive too, but I don't think, I think I could do 30 mics a week. If last week I did 29, 
But mm-hmm. I don't think I could. I don't think I could race against anybody else. But myself, I could do it. Like if I'm trying to set my own personal record, I could probably right. push. But I don't know if that's going to be beneficial to anybody. Yeah, I think the most mics. What was the most mics you ever did in a day? Well, in a day, probably two or three. I think I did three in New York City. But mm-hmm. upstate New York, it's it's really hard to do that. So yeah, it's not easy. No, most of the mics are like an hour. Just... Yeah, I know I did two. A couple times in New York, like, well, I, I had a show in Pennsylvania and I did a mic in Pennsylvania the same day. So I've been on stage multiple times in one day at different venues, but logistically, mm-hmm. it's not as easy. I did seven. Oh, wow. But obviously, that's never going to happen again. <laughs> uh, unless I'm getting paid for it. No, that was just that was literally because uh, I would do like at least two a day, two or three a day, like nothing. It was like you get out of work five o'clock. Seven o'clock, nine o'clock, or eleven o'clock. There was some elevens. So you do actually like three or four a day. I would do just three. I wasn't really eleven o'clock mic guy. And there was just one day where I was like, let me see if I schedule this right, how many I can do. Cause I think Super Agarwal broke the record or something like that. She did, I don't remember how many. I know she knows the number. Maybe 13 was the number okay. in one night. I could be wrong. But it was a lot. I know somebody said it. I remember somebody made a post about it. Like, she just did the most in one day. It was insane. Um, was that recent? Because I know, like, wasn't it like... No, this was, like, 10 years ago okay, or something right. like that. But back then, there was so many mics. You could hit up a 4 o'clock. There was people that would walk around at 2 o'clock, sign up for the 4 o'clock mics at 2 o'clock, and then go to a sign up for another open mic, if you could at that time, and put yourself later up on the lineup. That way, you're hitting it around 5. Right. So it's like four o'clock, five o'clock, six o'clock, seven o'clock. You could kind of do that. You get one where you do an email and you would schedule it around if you were just trying to hit that many mics in one day. And I remember back then that was when you did a lot. Like now, even now, I don't know if people are still doing that. Maybe. I don't know. Uh, Maybe two or three a day. I don't know. But like there was so many back then. And I was like, let me see how many I could do in one night. And it was just based off of scheduling. You know, and then I did seven. And after I did my seventh, I was like, all right, I don't want to do stand up for a week. (laughs) (laughs) I got it all done on Monday. I'm good. Yeah. I was like, cool. I got to do seven and one. It's possible. I'm uh, all right. Cool. I figured that out. I'm done. (laughs) That was it. So, yeah. When I take on things like that, I'm like, I'll stretch myself until I can't move and Mm -hmm. I'll rest. I'll go to sleep and I'll recharge. And what's wrong with my head is I'm like, Oh, I did it once. I can do it again. And that yeah. becomes my new standard and it's mm-hmm. not healthy, but I'm no. like, well, you know, when I was a newspaper reporter and high school sports editor, I was like, well, we covered this many games last year. We covered this many playoff teams. We can't go backward. It's like, well, mm-hmm. you probably could. And you have a pretty good reason. You know, the money isn't there to cover it. So you could just right. tell all the readers, well, we can't financially, you guys aren't buying enough papers. We can't afford this or the paper doesn't care. So whatever, like I had an out, but I'm like, no, my head was like, no, you did it last year. You have to go higher. And it's like, well, mm-hmm. that's going to kill you. Yeah. It's definitely not healthy at all. It's just do, it's just do what you feels right to you. Honestly, the more comfortable you figure out how yourself works and it goes along with everything else you do in life besides stand up. As long as you feel comfortable with what you're doing and you know it's right, then yeah. Like really, I I now I do not I haven't been to a mic in forever. I don't do mics at all. I think at this point I know how to write a joke where it's 
funny, but to make it better, I will work it out of the show where I know it's going to be good enough to make it last on the show. But okay, cool. I like it like that. Now, how if I add this and that? then that's how I, that's what I feel comfortable to me now. I haven't done mics in forever. Just do the fact that like, unless I'm just hanging out with a friend, we're just bored. I'll do one. Right. Besides that, I'm actively chasing to do a mic. Some of them could be really bad. You know, that it could be just depressing. You could do a uh, killer set, like killer jokes and nobody will care. Pay attention. Let's talk the entire time. But open mics are very hit or miss to me. Oh yeah. And it's I mean, just not, if you want to like work on some, actually developing something, it's just not, it could be, make it a lot harder. You know? Well, even upstate, they're tough. But people stay. When mm-hmm. I did the mics in New York City, like people left right after they're done. And I'm like, I didn't understand that initially, but yeah. like, oh, I get it. Cause I was trying to run to another mic later and I went like 15th. And I'm like, right. oh, that's why people, cause I'd see the same people. I'm like, oh, makes complete sense. So it mm-hmm. was super disheartening for a guy who drove three hours in a bus. To that's that. the, yeah, that's the thing about freaking all of this in general. It's a battle of being in our heads. If that makes sense, you know, because then, you know, you go to an open mic, you're 15th, and then you're thinking, oh, this person doesn't like me. He just leaves. He doesn't like anybody. It's like, that's not true. He has to go somewhere else. And then just how you take going on later, you know, there's people who like to go on later and then they complain on stage and then they get banned from the open mic. Right. Uh, I've seen that happen. Um, It's just such a weird thing to do to complain about going on late. Uh, some, Some people do that. It's like, take advantage of it. Okay, like, this is your situation. You're going on late. There's less people. How do you make that scenario the best you can? And I'm not just saying that to sound cool or whatever. Like, that's literally what I do now if yeah. if I were to do that. That's kind of what you should do because instead of just going, fuck, I'm late. This is nothing now. Like, still take advantage of the time you're getting. Right. So what do you want out of comedy? What do you want on the stand-up podcasting? Pussy. No. Um, <laughs> well, you got it, pal. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's sleeping behind me. Um, I don't know. I'm just right now, especially right now. I just uh, love. I love making stuff. You know, I love creating something that's different, unique to me that I love, like enjoy. And if that could grow a following, then great. You know, because it's something I. It's not. It is work, but it's not like something like, nah, I'd rather not do this. Yeah. I love doing it. I love doing stand-up. I love doing the podcast. There's some other stuff that I'm going to be doing. That. Let's see if I love it. I don't know. I'm I'm excited to try it. I think I'm going to love it. Doing my first uh, guest commentary match live for a wrestling really show. Cool. Yeah, it's going to be in a couple of weeks. It's actually during Memorial Day weekend, May 28th. I might as well plug it right now. May yeah, 28th, Shadow Wrestling Alliance presents ready or not at the mecca in ridgefield park new jersey the mecca is basically uh what do you call those little deer places these little community halls oh <laughs> um, like a elks lodge yeah it's okay. basically that but they call it the mecca because it's the mecca of elks lodges especially with wrestling yeah it's an early show at four o'clock i tell people to try to make it because indie wrestling if you like indie wrestling indie wrestling is a lot better when you're there it's more enjoyable than on TV because obviously the quality won't be as good. Right. And TV, I mean, it could be as best as it can be, but it's nothing like being in person. It's always a fun time. But if you can't make it in person, it will be on Fight TV. You can order it or you can, you have a Fight Plus membership. You can watch it with that. And I will be uh, color commentary throughout the night. I think throughout the night or half the show. I don't remember. Right. As of right now, I'm the only other commentator. Right. There's somebody else too. I've never met him too, but I'm excited. 
<laughs> so you got some time to figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm excited to do that. That's going to be cool. It's a part of me wanting to create stuff. I want to have ideas. I want to, I want to try them. I want to put them in play, you know, that's all I want to do right now. That's awesome. Yeah. Figure out the rest later. I just want to just do shit. I want to make shit. I also have this idea. It's YouTube idea. I want to do, but that's just in the works. Basically like, um, it has to do with wrestling too, but it's more, it's wrestling related, but could be more relatable to everyone. But I'm still figuring that out. But again, I want to try it. I want to make it. That's uh, awesome. Well, man, it was thanks. great getting to know you. Great getting to know you too. <laughs> do you have anything else you want to plug? No, just a uh, Pine Box Rock Shop every first Friday of the month it's called Putting It Out There. The next one's June 2nd. We do that every other month and uh, doing some wrestling stuff coming up uh yeah my website it's joshalba.com has all social media and all that stuff and that's about it that's great and uh i love grubhub (laughs) (laughs) i'm gonna hit up right now (laughs) who doesn't yeah they're so good (laughs) again man thank you so much for this and you know uh yeah thank you making time i'll talk to you in a bit Peeling back my sunburnt skin I'll wait outside your bedroom I, I hope they let me in